In this month's episode of Table Tennis Talk, we have a special discussion about how to get into table tennis. We cover everything from equipment, learning, finding clubs, and playing in tournaments. And our number one piece of advice is to use a paddle to hit the ball and not your hand. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Table Tennis Talk. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Ryan Lewis, and today I'm here with Joey Cochran. Hey, Joey. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? Good, good. And we have a very special guest with us today, Leanne Kidd. She is the, um, among other things, she runs the uh, Orem Table Tennis Club. Hi, Leanne. How are you doing? Hey, good. How are you doing? Great. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, because uh, this is your first time on the podcast, um, I'd love to uh, have you introduce yourself to the listeners and um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, well, uh, my name is Leanne, and I'm in. Uh, I'm actually I reside in Orem, Utah, um, and originally from Virginia, Alexandria, Virginia. Um, been playing table tennis my whole life, and started getting into it a little bit more on a competitive level. Um, as of about 2008, I would say, 2009, right around that range. Um, so, yeah. That's cool. awesome. And Joey had told me that you play hard bat mostly. Is that right? I do, yes. That's cool. all I play, actually. Wow. Yeah. There's not too many of us. <laughs> there isn't. So- so you play hard bat against just regular, like everybody, whether they're playing hard bat, whether your opponent's playing hard bat or, or regular sponge or anything, you're just, you're always playing hard bat. Correct. Yes. Um, I, I played hard bat. Well, I didn't know it, but when I was a kid, that's what I was using. I developed, you know, a really strange grip and a really weird style of playing. And I was using a hard bat then, but didn't know it. And so that's all I played with. Um, I've never played with anything else. In fact, it's pretty scary when I use an inverted one. It, 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 it's rough. It's rough for me because because of how I play. But um, I've only used hard bat, and there's not too many of us. So um, it's pretty exciting when I get to play against a hard bat player too. So that's cool. When you play against another hard bat player versus playing against somebody with inverted rubber, do you have different kind of techniques or a different approach to it? No. Mm-mm. Nope. I'm. Cool. I my. My grip and my style is a little bit different. Um, it's actually, well, to put it uh, straight, it, it's it's not normal. It's very unusual. And so it's <laughs> developed uh, years and years ago, so it's not easily changed. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it just kind of evolved naturally. And I literally, that's how I play. I play literally whatever, whatever the ball's doing right in front of me and whatever's going on right at that very, very second is how I respond. And so I just let my instincts take over and respond however I naturally do. So cool. I love it. (laughs) It's different, (laughs) but it's fun. (laughs) That's cool. All right. Sorry. I just wanted to jump in. Um, Joey, you're probably, uh, well, either one of you probably the best to explain this, um, to explain the difference between a hard bat, what a hard bat is, as opposed to an inverted uh, so that everyone understands what we're what we're talking about. Yeah, so I can explain the hard bat a little bit. So the hard <laughs> the hard bat essentially is it's basically kind of like uh, short pips, but there's no sponge on it, 
And there are only like five or six approved hard bat rubbers that are like official hard bat rubbers. Mm -hmm. um, and they generally don't have a whole lot of grip to them and there's no sponge. So it's kind of like, it's an interesting style, a different, an interesting way to play because there isn't a whole lot of spin involved and it's, it's more like hitting through the ball and instead of spinning underneath it or over the top of it, if you try to spin over the top, it'll just go straight down in the net kind of thing. Cause there's not a whole lot of grip. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting style. Yeah. And usually the, the paddles that you get with maybe a table or a group of balls, they'll have, it's kind of uh, bumpy on the outside. That's what um, short pips means. Right. So yep. for people who don't know what short pips well, means. And inverted, um, uh, because I use short pips and I use hard bat, um, and as opposed to inverted, um, that is the, the, the biggest one, because that's all I play is inverted players for the most part. Mm. Um, but yeah, you would have more, definitely more information on that, because I only play hard bat and that's what I'm familiar with. Um, but you're correct. I play with no sponge, nothing. It's straight wood. And um, I play with an approved rubber, <clears throat> excuse me, when I say approved rubber, meaning um, approved uh, by the USATT um, to play in tournaments, um, it's a legal rubber. With, so, yeah, I play well, legal rubber, legal hard bat, the whole bit. So Yeah, so there are some hard bat rubbers, like, like what Ryan was saying, when you buy a table at Walmart or something, yeah. it'll come with a couple of rackets a lot of times with, like, blue sponge or, yeah, blue rubber and it's no sponge and those wouldn't be approved by USATT or ITTF or um, even like the hard bat association. There's a, hard, there's a separate hard bat association. So there's like six that are approved by the hard bat association, which are also approved by the ITTF and USATT. So, yeah. And do you, uh, can you explain inverted for everybody? Like what that? <laughs> yeah. So inverted would just be like the, the smooth rubber, um, and it's what you see mostly at most levels of table tennis, but almost all the top players in table tennis use inverted rubber. It's, it's just a smooth rubber. And there's all sorts of variations as far as tackiness and uh, density and uh, just, uh, all, yeah, all sorts of different variations in that. Yeah. So um, we, we have a, we have a different, uh, structure to our episode today um typically we talk about news and um players and whatever weird thing is table tennis this month but um this episode is going to be a little different we're going to focus on um how to get into table tennis so if you are um, a first-time listener or you, maybe you've been listening for a while and you're interested in table tennis or maybe we can call it ping pong um but you don't really know where to get started uh, hopefully this podcast episode will be the one for you. Hopefully it'll have all the information, give you a, um, great kind of, um, start to your table tennis journey. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to try to do. So, yeah. And if you are more of an established player who plays at clubs, this might be a good episode to share with some of your friends who aren't so yeah. into table tennis. Um, just kind of give them a little bit of a, an insight into the table tennis world and getting started and, and that kind of thing. And hopefully give you maybe some ideas on how to get those players or those people into the table tennis community and start playing more. For sure.
So I'd like to start with um, kind of our w go around the uh, group and um, talk about our personal stories of how we got into table tennis. So um, Leanne, would you like to start? Sure. Um, so I would probably say uh, when I was younger, we had a table like a table in our basement and we played all the time, played with friends, played with family. Um, particularly my dad, my brother-in-law, um, but that was just recreational. So I was just kind of, I did have a knack for it, um, and I was into it, and I loved it, but it was more recreational. Oh, hey, let's go down and play ping pong. Did that the whole time when I was uh, younger. Uh, then I stopped playing, uh, I'd probably say for, if I had to guess, I would probably say 20 years. Wow. Yeah, maybe, maybe 15, 20, somewhere around there, didn't play. Short and break. I, yeah, just a short break. <clears throat> and mind you, um, like I said, I was I was good at it, and I was fairly athletic when I was younger, but I just never thought of it as anything else but go play with somebody downstairs. So when uh, about 20 years later, um, there was a buddy of mine that, well, actually, he became a buddy of mine. He was the builder on my one of my, ho my house that I bought. And he came over to my house one day, and, and he knew I had a basement, and he said, we're doing the Pray to Homes. My company is doing a lot of the stuff on the Pray to Homes. And when that completes, a lot of the stuff that we set up in these homes is available because the owners don't want it. And they have a ping pong table. Do you want no it? Way. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the Pray to Homes last year, and there were some really cool ping pong tables. I, I should yes. have. I should have. Uh, so cool. And yeah. it was a $100 table at the time. This was like 2000 seven, I want to say. And he said, I can get this $800 Stiga table to you. I'll bring it over, set it up, get you balls and rackets, and bring it over and put it in your basement for 250 bucks, I think is what he said. Wow. And I said, are you kidding? And I had a basement. So I was like, why not? So that's really the start of it. Because then all of a sudden I was playing in the basement with friends. Then I was started to play more and more and then the addiction part started coming in <laughs> first of all you know you're you, you realize oh i'm i'm kind of good at this and oh i'm this is really fun but then it starts becoming like oh my gosh i just i want to do this like every day and so um that is actually how i got started into it um more on an adult level later on in life um and that's that's where i started going start playing I mean, every day with my buddy that uh, there was a buddy of mine that I worked with him. And then I was also just buddies with him. And then the same builder guy, they used to just come over and we would, we would play, play, play and just never stop. And, and it's funny because there was two, the builder has a brother and the two of them, they were okay at ping pong, but I kept excelling and doing really well. And I was really, so it became a thing where they used to come over and take turns trying to take me down in my basement. <laughs> And we played four hours, and it was like, how many games can we make Leanne play until she's tired and gives out? And it was just awesome. So that's how I got started in it, back in it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. All right, Joey? Yeah, so uh, I started when I was a kid. Um, I was five years old when my parents got a ping pong table. My mom got a ping pong table for my dad for his birthday. And so we started playing in our basement. I have two brothers and uh, my dad. The four of us would 
all play in the basement. And I couldn't even hit the ball back. If I remember playing doubles. We would play doubles. And if I got the ball to hit my paddle, then I would automatically win the point. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, was, I was really bad, obviously. I mean, I was only five years old. But um, so, yeah, then uh, we started playing. And then we found out about a club just from the newspaper. There's a ping pong club in, in the city I grew up in, in South Bend, Indiana. And so we started going to the club, or at least my dad and my oldest brother started going to the club. And there was a league there, so a Thursday night league, and they started playing the league. And that's when I think at least my dad found out, like, there's this whole new world of ping pong. And uh, it's a lot bigger than than any of us knew. Um, So then they started going to the leagues. And then there was Danny C. Miller, who moved from Pittsburgh to South Bend. And he just kind of picked up the junior program there. Um, and I was still too young to start taking lessons. Um, he had a, a rule where you had to be at least six years old. So my two brothers started taking lessons. And then once I turned six, then I started taking lessons and started playing tournaments. And um, yeah, I've been playing ever since. No breaks, no 20-year breaks. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, my story uh, starts just about five years ago. I uh, I work in software, and so um, I was at Expedia. And um, when I joined a new team there, everybody on my team um, would play uh, ping pong during um, their lunch breaks. And so um, I started playing with them, and I was not great, and I kind of... Uh, slowly i i wouldn't say i got better um but <laughs> um i got interested in it and i really enjoyed playing it and um the rio 2016 olympics came on and i started watching the table tennis there and was just so amazed and really into it and just started looking more and more into it and there was a club in bellevue washington um that i was like I'm going to go and I'm going to take lessons or I'm going to go like do that. And then I never did because I'm always so busy. Um, And so when I moved down to Utah about two and a half years ago, I was like, okay, I have to do this. I don't know anybody here. Um, I looked up the Salt Lake Club and looked up the um, coaches on there and found Joey and then started taking lessons. And I'm not sure if Joey remembers much when I started, but I had. Oh, yeah. I didn't know I was horrible and I had to break everything down. So, um, that was kind of my journey and, and I just kept, uh, kept getting into it then. You know, going back to what Joe, what he was saying with this, this whole community out there, that was something that surprised me. I didn't know that. So I'm just playing in the basement and, um, wanting more and more challenge and getting more and more addicted to be honest. And I was just like, I wanted more and more, and I, I was just thinking, this is it. You know, I just got this table, and then that's it. And hopefully someone can come play with me whenever. And and it was actually that friend of mine that I told you about that um, he, he and I started playing all the time. He's the one that came to me and said, hey, I found out there's a club in Pleasant Grove. And I said, a club? What are you talking about? I have no idea. What are you talking about, a club? And he said, there's a table tennis club, like where they play on – regular nights i was like get out of here are you kidding 
I had no idea. So it is kind of unknown that there's a whole community out there. Because that's how I got into the club. All he did was tell me he stumbled across it. Then I'm not kidding you. I, I had fun and thought I was pretty decent. And I think I was pretty decent then. But I was thinking, great, more challenge, more playing, more this and more that. No idea this whole community existed, a club and all that. It was crazy. So I went to that club. And I literally sat on the sidelines and observed at first thinking, I'm going to get just destroyed. Like, <laughs> people, are you kidding me? I'm going to get crushed. I mean, I was looking at it just in awe, like, wow, they play all the time. I can play all different people. Can't believe this existed. But I was in the awe of the level that I was now going to start trying to go into. I just, I was like, wow, crazy. That's awesome. It is a secret. So. Not secret, like on purpose, but people don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Think, sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you can go, Trey. Okay. Uh, I was just going to lead into uh, um, just kind of that. that's pretty common. So okay. yeah. right, I'll just start over. So I think that's actually pretty common when people come to a ping pong club for the first time is like, the level of play between a basement player or just like playing in your neighborhood with your friends, or your neighbors that are at work and the level of play at a, an actual established club. Um, even like the worst players in the club are, are just going to destroy most of the people that are just playing with their friends and family and coworkers and stuff like that. So um, how how do we get players to like, how do we, how do we welcome players like Leanne in to a table tennis community when like the skill level is, is pretty um, not very comparable or maybe it was, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. How did you do oh. when you started playing for the first time at the club? Um, yeah. I mean, not too well. It, I'll be honest with you. I was, um, I didn't know there were levels. I didn't know anything. I didn't know there was levels, clubs, ratings, um, different kinds of rackets. Um, I didn't know anything. All I knew was I loved the game and enjoyed it, and I thought I was really good, and I was in the basement. Mm -hmm. And so I literally walked in, sat down, watched people play, and thought, oh, my gosh, like, I'm just going to get crushed. So I was I was like, okay, you know, I can do this. I think what I see most, most commonly at uh, the Orem Club is people hear about it or find out, stumble across it like I did. They come in and they see that, what you're describing. So they see that, oh, I'm a basement player. And they, they think, okay, I'm, I'm really, really um, competitive and I'm really good. I'm really into this. And then they start playing with the club players. And sometimes if they aren't um, as good as the club players or just losing every single match in this and the other, you'll see them come a few times and then disappear. Right. Not, very common. Um, and what I really try and do at the Orem Club is be very extremely welcoming, explain to them, um, eh, this is what happened to me. I went in and I just got, I got killed for six months, to be honest. Mm. It takes somebody who really, really wants to um, stay in it, wants to actually get better, wants to start competing, wants to start being like, hey, like for me, when I started doing that in the club, I got killed. But it, it for me, it made me want to come back and play again so that, whenever I didn't get beat anymore that I could sit there and play on their level. I wanted to do that. 
And so I, I didn't care. I came back and just lost and lost and lost. I'm going to say six months I lost maybe. <laughs> wow. I just, That's some determination. I, yeah, and I just stayed there and stayed there and stayed there. And what happens is is trying to figure out how to get somebody to stick it out. There's a lot of people that there's some that will and they'll continue to play there no matter what. And their goal is to just get better or have fun or both. And then there's people that will come in. You'll see them two, three, four weeks, and then all of a sudden they disappear and never come back. And I think it's a frustration or a, this isn't fun, you know? This isn't fun. I just come in and, and I think people don't realize the level, the difference between a basement player and a club player. And so I do my best to explain that and explain, hey, this is what happened to me, you know? Same thing. I came in, just stick it out, and I came in and um, played, and I just tried to figure, okay, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to continue to figure things out. I'm going to continue to get better, hopefully. But in the meantime, I'm not going to worry about get it, losing because I will develop skills and, and improve. Getting people to stick it out is hard. I think you hit a couple of key keys there as, as far as like I mean, making sure you're having fun. Um, as a club owner, that's that maybe, I mean, everyone's different, but just being really welcoming and letting them know like it's going to take a little while. Um, and just kind of stick it out and have fun, maybe bring your friends so there's a little bit more of a, not as much of a gap between the skill levels. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you hit, I think you hit a few good points there for sure. Should they understand that process and that this is what to expect? I mean, you didn't know this existed, how it is and, you know, stick it out, have fun, don't focus on that. And the other thing is, is having some, making sure that, I try and make sure that they play with everybody. So mm. like sometimes you find in the clubs, like the really high level players will tend to stick to the higher level players and play. Um, mm. I'll make sure that if someone's new that I try and get them in with everybody to play so that they, they get the experience and they can play with their, they don't feel shunned or anything like that. So I try and try and facilitate that. So. Yeah. I think from the perspective of somebody coming into a club, I think, I know that I had to just be really humble because um, yeah. I had to be okay. Like Leanne, you were saying for six months, you just lost. You have to be kind of okay with just losing and, and not, and not like being good. And, and even like, I would say asking people for, for advice. I mean, I think that is something that is um, valuable because, yeah. you know, a lot of people have been playing for a really long time and practicing and learning, you know, how to get better and, um, there's a lot you can learn from people. Um, and then also I think trying to connect to people on a personal level, like, you know, um, yeah. not just playing, but also like getting to know people. Cause it is very much, I feel like it is very much as, as much as it is like people want to play. It's also like a community, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely my second family. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So let's, um, let's talk about first steps. So if we've got somebody, you know, I'm assuming that, um, somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, club, you know, hard, bad, inverted rubber. I don't know what's going on. Um, what, what would you say? Um, if you're going to say, Hey, here's the first thing you should do. If you want to get into table tennis, um, what would you kind of, um, suggest to people, Leanne? Uh, I would suggest, um, if you want to get into table tennis, uh, in general or past the basement, then that's, that's, that's where my buddy stumbled across it is because he just was looking for something else. Um, then I would say you would want to find 
the clubs that exist in your area, in your, in your vicinity, um, so that you can, I mean, you, you possibly could go test them all out or, or, or even go observe like I did at first. Um, but find out what is available in your area, how it works and, and what it's about so that you have options in front of you. And then from there you can say, okay, I'm going to just go to this one cause near my house, I don't want to drive or like for me, I don't mind going all over the place. So, mm. but yeah, I would find out that information. Um, the, how to find out that their clubs exist is the actual barrier where people don't <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Even know that to even just know, Oh, they exist. Um, mine was by accident. So, um, once you know they exist, you can do some of that and, and find out the information of what's around, but finding out they exist is a big deal. I think I don't, I don't There's more than just playing in your basement kind of thing. Yeah. How to get that out there, um, more would be helpful, but, um, I created a website and a Facebook page. We did a Facebook page. Um, my buddy Chang, who I play with, he did a Orem club Facebook page. I, I'm trying to put as much as I can out there. Um, I've got links on my website to other clubs. I'm trying to connect them all so that if someone stumbles across the Salt Lake Club and they live in Orem, they can see, oh, there's an Orem Club and vice versa. So that yeah. kind of thing. But, um, but yeah. Cool. Uh, Joey, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think just kind of be like becoming part of the community. I think if you have a community, people are are more likely to come back and stay and just being welcoming. I think sometimes, like Leanne said, some of the better players or even some of the just not better players are, they just want to play with certain people or certain skill levels. And that kind of sucks. I think that, yeah. I mean, you just got to be welcoming. If you really want to grow the sport, then you, when people come in, you just, you, you should pit with them and talk to them and, and just kind of become a, a friend, you know? I mean, yeah. if if people are cold, I, I've heard that, like, they went to so-and-so club and no one would hit with them. They just kind of sat there the whole time and they wanted to play, but no one asked to play with them and they decided not to go back. I've I've heard that many times about many different clubs. Um, uh, just, like, people that I know that I try to get into ping pong. And anyway, so I think just being that, like friend when when you see a new face is is really important yeah. what and like you said make sure i make a i make a concerted effort to go play with somebody that's new and i try and push uh not push but have others as well to, to try and play with like you said so that they feel welcome and comfortable um another thing that i wanted to throw in by the way is another option is to look if you're into trying to get into it is to look at your local uh schools because, for example, BYU has a, a ping pong club, so mm. you could actually just find out if, if there's one existing in a uh, nearby school. So, like a university or something. Yeah, exactly. And those, I, I haven't been to the BYU club. Those aren't restricted to people who attend the university. Is that right? Um. It. Oh. Huh. So, first of all, if you go find that one, you could at least, at the very least, find out information about all the other private clubs, or not private, yeah. but open public clubs but um because they would probably direct you um or give you that information anyway but in this case byu initially had the rule of students only or you know um if you were involved with the school um mm -hmm. but they really didn't police that and 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 do much if people from the outside came in so i actually played there for two years um oh cool 
and then um and then they made it stricter this past year but they're pretty good about it almost like you're a guest of somebody so like the guy that runs the BYU club plays with us in Orem and Salt Lake so you know if I go over there right now he's not going to kick me out he's going to probably explain everything to me and then um I'm kind of his guest in a way um yeah. so they're they're not they're not too bad about it at the very least you can get the information so cool cool um I would suggest people uh almost like how I got into it I would suggest um starting with YouTube and um watching a lot of table tennis I think there's amazing players that will, will get you excited about the sport um and i think the kind of the youtube uh pre i guess presence is um better than it's ever been um we had our, sure. yeah. our yeah. last episode we talked to adam um, bobro who is the um ittf commentator and he was really who got me into it because he explains a lot about what's actually going on um so even if you you know, you watch it and you see people doing crazy things. You you can't even hardly see the ball. Um, Adam's really great about kind of explaining what's going on and and getting you into the sport. So I would say, like, um, other than the community stuff, I would say um, watching it on YouTube. I think in a lot of ways can can get you excited and give you ideas and inspiration into it. Definitely, people do that. They talk about that. Did you see this? Did you see that? Share yeah. like stuff. Yeah, it's great. So, um, so equipment, you can't play, uh, you know, according to the rules, you can't play ping pong with your hands. So, um, <laughs> equipment is probably something that people need. Um, so if somebody's gonna, I guess you could say if somebody's gonna buy their first racket, um, what advice can we give them? Um, what would you say, Leanne? Oh, um, okay. Uh, that's an interesting one. Um, when I first started playing, I played with a, a really really and i mean now that i look at it bad like i just had the straight up paddles that came with the set mm. and they're just like normal regular paddles for recreation and so when i showed up there i didn't realize they were playing with something different mm. and i started hearing them oh yeah i play inverted and i was just like what is that what are you talking about like i had no idea so once I learned about that there is different equipment and that, of course, this can aid in your own style and, and what it is that helps your, um, your, your way of playing, um, I started just learning that by talking and seeing and all this. And so I started off by finding out where I can purchase equipment. And then I literally went online, for example, say Paddle Palace, or mm -hmm. I found out from fellow players in the club that they play with specific equipment either hard better inverted and different rubbers and different um wood and all these things and i didn't even know that world and i started learning about it and hearing and talking about it and then once i did i decided okay i need a better racket than this basic piece of wood i've got so i i got their advice on where to go i went online there's several um, websites that you can go to and you can go buy equipment for table tennis whatever it is that matches your style and i literally just started looking it up as far as speed rating um spin rating um and i started just looking into it and discovering there's so many variations mm -hmm. and then i just kind of took my idea of how i play what do i want not just how i play now obviously if i if how i play now is this and i want to be faster then i'm going to get a faster racket that kind of thing 
And I didn't know that it varied from the rubber to the racket to the, oh my goodness, it was so much to take in. So what I did was literally look that all up and take a a good guess as to what, how I played and how how I wanted to play. And I, I sat there and said, okay, I want this fast of a rubber on this scale and, and this type of feel and wood. And after we're reading, and then I just chose what I wanted to put together. And then from there, I am now probably six or seven rackets later, maybe six. (laughs) Because each time I bought one, you eventually, you eventually get that racket so down that all of a sudden you become faster than it and you become better, better at, at all the attributes that you were going for. So then you move to a racket that either is similar and better or faster or, or you even add something in or, and so you continue to move, but websites is where I got all my information on all that stuff. So cool. Sorry. So I just was like, that's for me, it was foreign, that whole thing. Yeah. Did you get, um, so for first time listeners, so, um, a way that you can purchase your racket is with the rubber and the wood separately. So when you, when you bought it, did you buy them separately and put them together or did you get them together? Uh, I bought them separately, but had them assemble it. Okay, cool. Yeah. On all these websites, there's an option for them to assemble it for like three bucks. So since I was new, I didn't know how to assemble it. I didn't know <laughs> how you put a rubber on it. I didn't even know they were separate. I thought I was just going to go on and buy some better racket, you know, listening to all these club players that were so good. And I found out they're all separate and I'm, I didn't even know it was totally foreign to me. So, but yeah, I got it assembled and yeah, so I had it kind of, they kind of make it for you, but you choose. Cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, some of the websites you mentioned paddle palace, which is a really good one has a lot of options. Were there other ones? Um, yes, there was. So, say it, Joey. Sorry. Yeah. So there, I use Dandoy. Um, Dandoy. it's, it's one, I think they're based in Belgium or somewhere in Europe. Um, Mega Spin is another good one. Uh, Butterfly Online is where I personally get my equipment, but it's pretty expensive and I don't recommend it for people who are just starting out just because of the price point. But in my opinion, if you're looking, for, if you're a beginner player, um, there is a lot to take in as far as equipment and Every brand has their own set, like scale for rating rubber with spin and speed and control and whatnot. So, what I actually recommend is if you're if you're going to a club or trying to get started, I would actually ask somebody, um, like a coach at one of the clubs or one of the organizers at the club, like someone like Leanne, um, what they recommend for that for them because. A lot of players just don't know what they're looking for, and it's you, you'll drown in information when yeah. you start looking up rubbers and rackets. There's like millions of options, and <laughs> there's all different prices, and it's really pretty difficult. Even even for me as a coach, and I get asked all the time um, what I recommend for different players, and it's it's kind of tough, but. It really kind of depends on the price that you're like the price range you're looking in, and then on the style. And a lot of players just don't know what they need, so I would recommend asking um, asking someone who plays, or asking a coach, or asking a, a club owner, or something like that. 
Um, or even if if you send an email to Paddle Palace, a lot of times they'll have uh, just kind of tell them your level, and they'll have some different options for you. What I don't recommend is I, I don't recommend going to like Dick Sporting Goods or Walmart or something like that and buying one of the pre-made rackets. You can buy pre-made rackets from someone like Paddle Palace, but the ones you get at like a convenience store or a sporting goods store just aren't very good. And if you want to have proper strokes and be able to improve to your full potential, you really need to have like at least some good, like even if it's not like great quality equipment, you need, there's like a, a minimum standard that you need to have that has some, some grip on the rubber and um, some spring and some, some, something that can give you some forward energy where a lot of the stuff that you find at a sporting goods store just won't have that. And I think like for Leanne, your style is so different that um, the, obviously the equipment that I would recommend to you would be completely different than something I would recommend to Ryan um, or, or someone like yeah. someone else. But um, well, because I, I started out, like I said, researching on paddle palace and mega spin and all that. Um, I have now moved um, the last three rackets. I go strictly through a Valor, which is a hard bat only. Okay. They assemble my rackets for me. I actually chat back and forth with the guy that assembles them, and he plays, and I talk about uh, what else I want to achieve and, and where I want to move my game to. And he, he and I sit there and kind of chat back and forth and, and decide what rubber and racket I want to move to. So I've had my last three i think assembled through valor hard bat he he does strictly hard bat so okay yeah that's good yeah i i would suggest um not buying a racket off amazon to most people <laughs> i remember um when before before i started uh working with joey and he kind of gave me some suggestions and i bought i guess what i could say a real racket um there were a lot of people at work who would buy them off Amazon and, and there were, um, the brands of the rackets are ones that no one knows because they're just not even real brands. Um, but I would say that like at, at a reputable or at a, like a legit table tennis place, they have rackets in the 30, $40 range, uh, which are all put together, but they're actually made by like, um, butterfly for example, which is a big table tennis brand. And the experience you're going to get with those is going to be very similar to what um, you will continue. Like if you want to continue to get better, it's going to be kind of like similar to professional levels. Like it's, it's obviously a $40 racket and pros are playing with, you know, hundreds of dollars of um, racket. I guess that's how much they cost, but um these these like cheaper ones they're going to give you a, a better experience than just whatever you're going to get off amazon um so i would say definitely you can you can still get cheap stuff but don't buy it off amazon because what you get on amazon is just it's not even it's not even worth the money i so, think a lot of times even if you buy decent quality on amazon there's a chance that it's kind of just been sitting in a warehouse for a long yeah. time yeah. So if you buy like rubber, rubber has a shelf life of, I don't know, X amount of time. And if it's been sitting in an Amazon warehouse for the last year or whatever, it's, I mean, it's not going to act the same as if you were to buy it from like a distributor. 
Yeah, not to mention it may be counterfeit, <laughs> which <laughs> the, probably uh, new people to the sport may be like, what? Counterfeit? But yeah, this is, I think that's a... Especially with heard. Butterfly, uh, the equipment is, they do a lot of R&D and develop really good quality, top-notch stuff. It's what most of the top players in the world use. Uh, and I think Butterfly in particular gets counterfeited more than the rest. So yeah. um, just got to be careful with that. Yeah, I mean, it's its kind of like um, what you said, it, 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 you can get a really good, decent racket on a legit table tennis website for good, good value and good quality for like 30, 40 bucks. Um, and that's exactly where I started at a 30, $40 racket. Um, huh, you eventually, if you, if you continue to be addicted, you, you, you move from that, <laughs> <laughs> you start, you start spending more, but it's great. So. Cool. Um, all right, let's talk about how to learn. So, um, people who, uh, you know, they may still be in their basement or at work or something. And okay, they bought a racket from Paddle Palace um, or Valor or something, and now they're they're ready to go, but they still don't know how to use it. Um, what would be your advice for how to um, how to get better, how to learn, uh, Leanne? Uh, there's a couple things. Um, okay, well, I'll just talk about it from my perspective. Um, for me, it was playing more, playing more consistently, trying to play all different levels. So I got more experience as far as um, better players than me um, and learning um, some different techniques and seeing it uh, or being on the other end of it and, and saying, oh, geez, how did he do that? You know what I mean? Or I want to do that and, and coming up with my own version of that. And, mm. and, uh, but it was mostly playing more being more consistent. So I got, I went from playing once a week to twice a week to three times a week. And then that's what happened. And my game did improve at that point. Um, each time I added a day, not that everyone has time to do three days a week, but I, I just made time. Um, but I, but I consistently started playing every week between one and three, three times a week. I eventually was at three times a week and my game did improve a lot. Um, getting out there, um, and learning by putting yourself in tournaments because then you get exposed to more players, more players, more styles, more levels. Um, so getting into tournaments, which of course we'll probably talk about, but, um, there are tournaments. There's another surprise that people don't know about uh, that. I didn't know about. I was like, what are you talking about tournaments? tournaments. <laughs> so, um, but also a, a big one for me is coaching as well. There are lessons that you can take. You can pay for lessons. You can pay to be with a coach. So, um, Joey knows, um, once in a while, I, I have Joey, uh, a session with Joey. Uh, my forehand is terrible. And, um, for some reason, cause of my grip, I just can't, I mean, it's gotten better. I'm not, I, I it, it has improved of course with time and things like that. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's a bizarre thing and it's just not good for me. And I end up protecting it and trying to avoid it. And it's, it's, it's a lot of things, but, I um, got with Joey and pretty much he said, what, what do you need to learn? And Joey is, you know, pretty much, uh, uh, the best one out there, but there's a lot of good coaches out there and you can get with somebody. And I, I got with Joey and I said, my forehand's horrible. So he, he'll <laughs> specifically focus on the forehand and, and he'll actually help figure out what the problem is. So, um, but 
for me, I kind of learned on my own until I got to the point where I was playing so much and working with Joey sometimes. So, um, and, and for me, it's real sporadic. My, my thing, oh, this is horrible. I want to spend some time looking or get some advice from Joey, you know. The last time I, I got with Joey, I said to him, let's just play. Mm. And you, let's hit and you critique me and tell me what I'm doing that's wrong. I remember that. You can kind of, you can kind of, you know, set up what you, how you, what you, what do you want to learn? What do you want to achieve? You know? So, yeah. He told me something invaluable as a coach. He did. And I'll never forget it because <laughs> kept my far right forehand, like way off on that angle. And I kept sitting there saying, why can't, why? I mean, there's no, <laughs> and he literally told me the most simple thing ever as a coach. So that's why coaches really help your game. He said, all you need to do is instead of move directly right to get that forehand and return it. You can move right and back at the same time a few steps, giving yourself more time to hit the ball. And I still think about that today now. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get it. <laughs> but anyway, coaching, consistency, uh, exposure, that's what I would say. Cool. Joey, what would you say? Uh, something pretty similar, I think. Um, coaching definitely helps if you want to become a good player or just get better. Uh, coaches will will help you for sure and that's pretty with anything right if you have a if you have a coach that can kind of see your mistakes and help you fix um fix your strokes and you're going to get better that way for sure um definitely playing more uh the more you play the better you will be but also when if you have a coach let's say you you take lessons once a week and then you play uh twice more besides like so a total of three times a week if you, while you're playing without the coach, you should try to implement what the coach taught you while you're playing. So just don't have the, like, try to put your pride aside and don't care if you win or lose or whatever. Just just work on getting better, fixing your strokes, fixing your mistakes, and then you're going to get way better. It, you'll you'll probably suffer a little bit, but then long-term, you're, you're going to be miles ahead. So implementing is always is always key. So the coach can help you and tell you what to do, but then if you don't implement it, then you're not really going to get much better. So implementing is really important. Uh, Go ahead, Leanne. Oh, I was just saying, I try and implement what you taught me. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's hard for sure. I mean, hard. breaking habits is, is always <laughs> going to be hard. So, but I mean, just to give it your best shot and, yeah. and then, yeah. So another thing I would suggest is, is YouTube. So I have a YouTube channel. There are a lot of other YouTube channels out there um, that will help coach and give general tips. Um, I, I've taught, especially kids, I feel like, soak up the YouTube better than pretty much anybody. Um, they soak up a lot of things, but the people that I teach that also go and watch YouTube videos seem to improve quite a bit faster than than people who just take lessons or just hit. Um, I think a combination is is really helpful. And then I think the last thing is is having proper equipment, just kind of going back on our last topic, is if you don't have equipment that suits your game, then it's going to be really hard to get better. So there's like a minimum requirement like of, of quality that, that you really need if you want to develop good strokes and be able to compete at any sort of skilled level. So yeah. what about yeah. you, Ryan? Um, yeah, I think, I think, um, both of you all covered it. 
Um, I think for me, it was it was definitely uh, getting lessons from Joey. I think um, even if you're just playing at work or in the basement, um, there are plenty of little YouTube tutorials which will show you how to do serves and how to do hits. And even just watching those, you can you can try things and change um, your game up. But also there are um, there are camps. And there are um, clinics like Joey. You do a clinic on Saturday mornings. Well, maybe not right now, but <laughs> normally you would do um, a clinic, and and that's that's great because you get some instruction, but you also get play, and you're also playing against different people, so you're you're adapting their styles. And um, I I feel like you know, especially if people are are cost conscious and you know trying not to spend too much money, that's probably a um, the biggest bang for your buck in terms of um, what you can pay and, and get yeah. in return. I think, yeah, that's really good advice. I think being able to play with other people is important because you don't always want to have a coach or, you know, coaches can be expensive, so you might not want to pay for a coach every time you play, but you still want to be able to improve and practice. So doing the groups, you kind of learn to play with other people and still get some coaching. And, and so that that's really good. Yeah. One more thing I actually want to add is once you start to have um, – once you start to get better and you're no longer kind of a basement player, I really recommend playing in tournaments because tournaments are where you really can kind of figure out different strategies and and learning how to actually play table tennis. So coaching and practicing will take you so far, but then at some point you need to transition into playing more matches and playing in competitive tournaments if you really want to get good, like real good at table tennis. So I I recommend practicing, playing practice games, and then playing tournament games. So all are important if, if you I, want to get real good. I second that because I can tell you the more play I did at the clubs, um, the better I got. But uh, when I moved to tournaments, that definitely changed things. Mm -hmm. It actually changed things for the worse in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that's the case. <laughs> it's sometimes it's hard to get better without getting worse first. You got to break it down and then you can build on top of it. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. But the tournament thing did did help uh, immensely. So. Cool. So let's let's um, take this opportunity to start talking about tournaments. So. Um, what will we say to people about, like, I guess, finding their first tournament and um, what they should expect and what they should try to get out of their first tournament? Leanne? Um, I, finding the first tournament, again, uh, same thing as not knowing clubs are out there. A lot of people don't even realize those exist. So once I started playing in clubs, I would just, I just heard someone say, are you playing in the next tournament? I was like, what are we talking about? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But, um, so it's kind of another thing that people aren't aware of um, that. So to get that out there, we do at this point do a lot of posting. I, I put it on my group feed. We have a group me feed. I always put all the information on tournaments on there. I talk about it at the club, especially for new people. I make sure to emphasize it with new people. So they, they go, what do you mean tournaments? And I explain what the tournaments are, what they're for, how we get involved in them. You should play and try it and this and that and the other. Um, you hear about it at the clubs. I put it on my website. So this is another area that people don't know about. So when I first heard it, I, I asked about it. I was kind of like, what are you talking about? Like tournaments and this, and that. there's competition. What? And so they told me, yeah, there's tournaments all the just sporadically randomly throughout the year. And 
And um, I thought, how fun. I want to go do that. That'll be fun. And my whole thing was fun. That was all I was about. And I went. And, um, oh, my goodness. So hard when you go to a tournament at first. <laughs> it is. Uh, I- I'm going to be honest with you. I did not play tournaments well for probably two and a half years. <laughs> three, maybe three. Uh, I used to end up, for some reason, the, ter- the feel of a tournament and the competition and how all the different levels are there and all the exposure, I ended up always playing different than I did at the club. I played way worse, like horrible. Uh, mm. Conservative. I played conservative. I played tentative. Um, I played different. I responded different. Uh, it was a comfort level thing. It was everything. So, yeah, I played. I, I, I stuck it out, though. I played tournaments. um uh, and I eventually, when I got over playing tentative and playing different and all that, oh, and I also overanalyzed. I would literally play with somebody and the whole time analyze everything they're doing so I would know how to respond and not play the way I normally play and not be aggressive. I would play very tentative and then I would do that the whole match and then the match would be over and I'd be like, okay, I just analyzed for nothing. Like, <laughs> so, for nothing because now the game's over and I lost. So, yeah. But uh, I think it's mostly getting the information out there. And also, might I add, not just letting them know there's tournaments via the website, Facebook, uh, in clubs, uh, general information, explaining it to people. People that are just getting to clubs, explaining what a tournament is, how it works, and what to expect. Because Mm -hmm. nobody explained that to me. And when I first went in, I was like, what is this? I don't get it. So... Yeah, if I have people that show interest, I sit there and say, don't, you know, this is what to expect. You might get beaten down the whole time. You might go in and not know what to do. And and when I'm at tournaments, I know the new person shows up. I try and steer them the right way. Well, the way it works is you have brackets, and I explain it to them. So um, cool. still kind of a hidden world, though, the tournament thing. Joey, what would you say? So my first tournament, I I was six years old. I went, it was, we drove to Minnesota from Indiana and I didn't win a single game. I didn't win any matches. I didn't win any games and I didn't really care. I mean, I was six years old and I just wanted a trophy and they ended up giving me a trophy for like best sportsmanship. But I think it was because I asked for a trophy like a hundred times at the tournament. I just really wanted a ping pong trophy. Um, So then the second tournament I went to, I think I won one game. Still didn't win any matches, and it was tough. I mean, tournaments are always tough, and it's it's like a whole other level, and there's a lot more pressure and intensity, and if you're not used to it, then you, it's, it's going to be hard to perform. But it's one of those things where it will definitely help you get better and kind of deal with the pressure and this, the stress of, win, of playing in a tournament. Yeah. Um, but it's tough. I mean... First tournaments, I don't. I tell people, uh, my students, when they play in tournaments, like don't expect to win any matches in your first tournament. Probably yeah. don't expect to win any in your second or third one either. Um, but eventually, you'll you'll just kind of get the hang of it, and you'll do fine. It just takes some time. Um, but it's it's like it's like going from the basement level to the club level. It's yeah. like it's just another level playing in tournaments. It's just it's it's tough to compete. It's tough to to win. Um, so I, I, I just don't don't take it too hard if you don't win. Just kind of go in with low expectations and have fun and try to learn something from it, and you'll get better. It just it just takes time. That's one of the things about ping pong is it takes time to get good at it. It's tough. It's a tough sport. 
Yeah, I took, I took a, I did a lot. Uh, I did, like you said, it wasn't first or second. It was good two and a half, three years in and before I started doing well at tournaments. So, yeah. I remember I, when I was playing, I used to play maybe like five or six tournaments a year. Um, but it wasn't until I started playing like 20 to 30 tournaments a year that I really just got the hang of it. And I, it just, it almost became routine. Um, and all the pressures of playing in a tournament, it was almost every weekend and, wow. or at least every other weekend. Um, and yeah, it, it just kind of becomes routine and that you stop feeling the pressure, but that's, that's at like a pretty high level. And I, I mean, I don't expect someone who's playing in the basement to like just start playing 20 tournaments a year, even playing one tournament would be pretty miraculous. So, um, mm. It's just it's just kind of having expectations, and a lot of people they go in like beating all their friends in their neighborhood, and go into a club or a tournament and expect to do the same thing. Where it's just it's just not going to happen. So, I think one thing that people may not know is that um, I think Leanne kind of mentioned it is that at tournaments there are different brackets. So you you won't necessarily have to play against like the best person at that tournament there's there's kind of little groups of at different levels and so you'll you'll likely be playing with people kind of closer to your level um which means it hopefully won't be as discouraging <laughs> your first tournament um I know my first tournament, I didn't win any matches um, like Joey kind of predicted. And it was just it was just fun to be able to kind of like experience it. And then the second one, I think I I was had better brackets. And so I was able to play people closer to my level and I was actually able to win a few matches. So that was that was fun. So, um, yeah, I would not be uh, like like Leanne said, just like go into it and have fun because they are they are actually really fun um and but don't if, if you focus on the reason why you got into it in the first place and why you love it so much and why you're wanting to improve which is because you have so much fun yeah. the rest come along over time but jo like joey said it takes time yeah yeah okay so that is um that's all our content for this episode um any last words, Leanne? No, I, 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 well, yes, actually, I just, I just hope, uh, I hope there are a lot of listeners that we gave them some good tips and some good information. A lot, all of this was, uh, unknown to me when I started. So, um, it's just great. The more I get involved, the, the better. So, um, I want people to know about it. And I want, like Joey said earlier, to people, uh, more people to get involved in the table tennis community and, to know about it and, um, and go try it out. Yeah. So, uh, if you don't know, you don't know. I mean, it took a long time for me to find out everything. If someone had laid it out to, for me in the very beginning and said, okay, there's this, this, this. And I'd be like, I'd still be surprised, but, um, at least I would know. So I would love to expand the table tennis community, um, and have more tournaments around here. And just, um, it's a second family for me. So cool. and it's awesome. And I'm still addicted. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Joey, any last words? Uh, yeah. So if you're listening and you're you're just starting out, don't get discouraged. If you go to a club, just kind of keep playing and have fun with it. Um, Definitely. It's a pretty fun sport. It's it's you can play it your whole life, pretty much, even when you're a little kid or pretty old. Most of my students are 
our senior level players and uh i mean you can play it your whole life so it's it's kind of a just a fun sport to get into and and to play so yeah don't get discouraged cool yeah um yeah we'll in the show notes for this episode we'll have links to kind of everything we talk about so um listeners can check it out and um thanks so much joey and leanne for um joining us today and have a good day thank you thanks for having us thanks see ya see ya Table Tennis Talk is a monthly podcast by Joey Cochran and Ryan Lewis, edited by Dan Emery from Black Matter Mastering. Music on the podcast comes from Chill Hop Records. Find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us questions, comments, or feedback on our Facebook page at Table Tennis Talk Podcast or on Twitter at TT Talk Podcast.